You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Welcome to Sonic Society Season 12, Episode 518. And we're your two-headed hosts on a shiny new quarter, and I'm Jack Ward. And David Alt. Uh... Jack, are we are we flipping a coin tonight? Well, not exactly, but we, we have two features of quite different but equal spookiness. Hmm, that sounds intriguing. Indeed it is, but first, we have an exciting opportunity as Stephen J. Cohen of audio drama production acting and audio novel fame mm-hmm. has offered two VIP golden tickets for the 5th annual Here Now Festival at Kansas City, Missouri from June wow. 8th to June 11th. So... The very first Sonic Society member who emails us at sonicsociety at gmail.com with their uh, five-star review to iTunes for the Sonic Society gets the ticket. There's nothing like a good bit of blackmail. Well, we, you know, we do need to make them work for it for a bit. It is, after all, a giveaway. (laughs) Seriously, though, email us your best review story at sonicsociety at gmail.com right away for your free VIP tickets to the Here Now Festival. That's premium seating and connections for the festival itself. That's worth a little blackmail, isn't it? That's true, yes. (laughs) But what have we got to give our listeners tonight? Starting the night, we have episode one of Christopher Renaga's new exciting pod fiction, Point Mystic. Yes. There's something really interesting going on in this town. Something that is unsettling. Indeed it is. And and what about our second feature? Another fantastic horror from Billy Sinise's Midnight Radio Theatre with The Long Weekend. So settle back because it begins right here on the Sonic Society. This happened in early October, just a few weeks ago, in a small coastal town. A boy, age 10, went missing from his home. It's the middle of the night. His bed is empty. The front door was left open. Here's his mother, Marguerite Croft. I I don't know, I don't know what happened, so that I woke up in the night and knew he was gone. But it's, I, I just knew that something was wrong. And I went, I went to the kids' room, and Fox wasn't there. You know, we, we frantically look everywhere. And, and like, the, the adrenaline's pumping, and it's, it's like he's nowhere. And, um, and it's, oh, like there's, there's oh, and there's nothing like that fear when they're gone. The sheriff took it very seriously and sent a car, but then said something odd when the parents gave their address. The dispatcher asked, Do you live up by the woods near Wildwood Road? The parents said yes. The dispatcher said, Go to the trailhead. It's at the end of that street. There's an old boat park there. And if he's there, just inside the woods, call us back and we'll cancel the call. And they asked how the sheriff knew that their son might be in these woods. Then it hits me because I used to spend the summers here when I was a kid. And I remember, I remembered for the first time in so long what's in those woods. So we go toward the trailhead. Um, and, 
and just inside the woods, there he is. You know, and he's wearing his pajama pants, and um, and he's missing his T-shirt. He's got one sock on. It's like his, it's his red Iron Man sock. And he's shivering. And he's building something. He's building something huge. I'm Christopher Reynaga, and this is Point Mystic. Each episode, we speak about the stories behind the myths and legends, the unexplained, the magical. Today, I'm going to tell you about an innocent-sounding dream and the things built by the children of a small town. My town, the one that I've recently moved to. A disclosure for today's show. The boy in question is my son. And for reasons of privacy, I won't reveal the name of the town. We're walking to the thing that Fox was building. You can see glimpses of the shore from the woods, but it doesn't take long to feel dwarfed by the trees as they close around you. Oh my god. Oh my. Look at it. That's amazing. Wow. Can I build this? Uh, yeah. This impossibly twisted trapezoid of branches is what our son was building in the darkness of the woods. It's only partially complete on one side. It's so big. Yeah, as big as the biggest one. How do you, how did you lift these things? I really don't know. Well, what do you think? What does it look like to you? Kind of like a wall. Or a cage? Both. A cage with a wall. And you don't remember any of this? No, I don't. When I was a kid growing up, my friends and I built forts out of plywood overlooking the creek near my house. This is something else entirely. You see, there are close to a hundred of these structures climbing the hill as far as we can see. Whoa, look at that one. They're all made of branches, tightly interlaced without anything to hold them together. Some of these structures are so old that they are like skeletons of wood melting back into the earth. None look anything like a fort. Most look like modern art or ancient totems. I think one of the creepiest ones was this weird wooden stick with three trees around it and two sticks leading from one tree to the other trees and then just this open space. Kind of like a circle? Morally like a triangle without a bottom. What other kind of weird shapes are out there? There's this one that's like a, I guess, sort of a square by a tree, and this tree has weird blue writing on it. You can't read it, and it's... And that's the one that you can't get inside? There's no windows, there's no doors? Square one? Yeah, square one. It's really more star-shaped, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. There's all these weird, just so many weird shapes. If strange wooden shapes in the woods seem familiar, that's because of a famous true story of an artist named Lee Brown Coy, whose obsession with hundreds of eerie, unexplained stick structures he found in 1938, deep in the woods of Pitcher, New York, became the focus of his famous artwork. 
If you've seen The Blair Witch Project, or the latest seasons of American Horror Story and True Detective, that true-life mystery is where much of the modern cinematic inspiration comes from. But there's nothing really mysterious about how the structures in these woods got here. You see, the kids in this town have been building them for years. One of the largest murals depicted on the walls of our local cafe, Calliope's, is based on real Victorian-era photographs of children sitting on one of the early wildwood structures that no longer exists. It's shaped like a headless animal, crouched and ready to spring. And you would have no idea how massive it was if not for the row of girls in long dresses astride its back, posing for the camera. One girl, the closest to the viewer, sits astride the empty neck, her long black hair dangling over her face as she weaves the sticks. It's one of these kinds of structures that Fox had been building when we found him. The thing is, he couldn't remember building it. He could only remember waking up from the dream. When I woke up, I was in the woods, sitting against a tree, and there was these structures that weren't there before. And you, you woke up and it was just there? Just there. I didn't know how I got there, it just was there. So what was the dream like? What? Oh, the dream. It was strange. I just fell asleep and, well, there was flowing through blackness and then this weird structure-ish thing popped out and a voice rang out. You shall build this. Then at the end, it, there was a giant rabbit and then it just grew larger and larger and larger than I woke up. A, a rabbit? Giant rabbit with red, blood red eyes. And dragon wings. <laughs> and dragon wings? Yep. And tentacles. And very sharp teeth. But otherwise it looks like a rabbit. A white rabbit, to be exact. Like the kind that magicians pull out of their hats. But the thing Fox told me is that he wasn't the only one dreaming of the wooden structures. A lot of the kids in town have the dreams. His best friend had been dreaming and building them, too. He showed his structure to me. If Fox's looks like a cage, his friend's structure what looks like a lopsided cone. He calls it the teepee. I asked his friend if he had a white rabbit in his dream. He said no. But he said there was something else. Have you ever seen Alice in Wonderland? Yes, yes I have. The newer one? There's that giant white spotted thing. It doesn't have an eye, but then that gets tied back. Yeah, because of the mouse. Yeah. For listeners that haven't read Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, this creature isn't the white rabbit that Alice follows down the rabbit hole. This is Carroll's monster, the Bandersnatch. Whatever this white creature actually was, and the dreams about his wooden structure... It chased him. I ran and I ran and ran, but I just didn't seem to be going anywhere. I looked down and I saw him. And then I found it in here. And I was in a teepee and I woke up in the teepee and it turned out I wasn't actually in my bed. There was one person I could talk to to help make sense of this. My wife, Marguerite. She spent summers here growing up 
and built these structures too as a child. So you know, that's uh, that was how I first realized that I belonged here, that I was that I had been accepted. Is that point where I was with the other kids up in the woods building the structures, like it was the most amazing thing. As a kid, I always felt like I was really out of control and couldn't do a lot. But when we built those things, it was like I was so powerful and so capable because I could do this thing. I could make this thing that was bigger than me, like it was bigger than all of us. And when I look at them now, like they're so creepy. But as a kid, it was the most magical thing. It was like we were building the fairy tale. The structures you built as a as a kid, do you remember what they looked like, any of their shapes, anything like that? Yeah, I could draw you pictures. Like some of them are so implanted in my memory, I could draw them for you. I mean, I think it would be unlikely, but some of them might still be there. I remember one um, was like a beehive. And I don't think that's how I would have described it to you at the time. You know, it had a large a large base that, and, 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 and all these levels that just um, got smaller and smaller and smaller till it had a dome top. And you could go inside and crawl through like the the levels of the hexagons inside of the beehive, and I used to go and crawl up in there and read, and draw pictures, and and some of my friends, like my really special friends, could come inside. I felt really protective and and serious ownership of this thing. Not just anybody could go in. The structures built by the children are a mystery, but it turns out that they're part of an even larger one. What Marguerite remembers even more than building the structures is a legend that she and her friends believed that the structures were related to. A legend that anyone in this town can tell you about. The legends about the doors. Some people think that we are literally the town of doors, that we're like obsessed with our, uh, with our door art. You've noticed everybody paints their doors really um, bright colors with like interesting murals on them, the knockers and the doorknobs and everything. But after I'd come back for several summers, I realized we were really talking about something else. We were talking about doors, which aren't really doors, they're like these entryways into other places. And I remember stories of the doors and and dreaming of doors and like the concept that there were these doors to all these other worlds and it's like, it's the portal fantasies that we're told when we're kids, right? It's Narnia and it's Alice in Wonderland. But then it was real. And I'm having a really difficult time reconciling these pieces of my childhood with being an adult and, like, what's real anymore. And it's really scary. 
the structures, the doors, the like the, the, the magic. Did you believe that? I did when I was a kid. Do you believe it now? No. Yes. Maybe. I, I don't know. Marguerite doesn't remember dreaming about a white rabbit when she was a child. But there is, in fact, a legend. One of the town's door legends about a rabbit back in 1880 when this town was an unnamed logging camp on the coast. Some say this event inspired Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, but this is certainly untrue. Alice in Wonderland was published in 1865, and Carroll never visited America. But there was a girl in this legend. Not an Alice, but an Anastasia. It's said that the structures in the woods were here before people arrived. This is also probably untrue. But the story goes, as the area was clear-cut, it was Anastasia and the other children of the workers that began to build their own structures in the fashion of what they found. One day, in the fall of 1880, the children began building a massive one. The structure they made is not described, but what is described are the stories the children told their parents of a white rabbit. Most accounts don't give the white rabbit a name, but it's said that in her diary, Anastasia called it the Schwankmeier. The adults grew superstitious about the structures, and in time, people came to believe that the children were summoning this white creature. Anastasia denied this and said that she was fighting it. Her father, a lumberjack named Lucas Alenki, locked her up to prevent her from going into the woods, but one night she escaped. In some versions of the story, it's only her, and in others, it's several girls from the town that go into these woods to stop the white rabbit. It's said that she or they went through a door that looked like a rabbit hole. On this last part, all of the stories agree. She or the girls never returned. I explore and talk about these kinds of mysteries on the radio every day. I've been face to face with the supernatural so often it's just become natural. And yet I'm having a hard time believing this. But maybe that's because this isn't just some mystery. This is my son and my town. So I took a walk from the point out by the lighthouse, up under the rows of Victorian homes and artist studios along Wildwood Road. And I brought my dog, Agatha. Since I'm new here, she can be a bit of an icebreaker. Oh, who's a good girl? <laughs> belly rub. Yeah. Oh, belly rub. You, you guys live here right next to the woods? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. you got a beautiful house. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Why is it always like that? <laughs> There's all those weird structures in the woods, yeah. too. Yeah, it's they, some, you know who does that? Who does that? It's a little, I guess it's like 10 kids. They're probably Oh, yeah, I think elementary. I've seen them once or twice before. And that's what they do. They make those forts. And Are they like um, oh, wow. Boy Scouts or something? No, there's girls in there, too. I, as long as they don't start any fires or anything, <laughs> they can build all they want. That's cute. Actually, this guy comes up in a van that lives on Butte near that 
is cutting all the branches off. Oh, interesting. And then he leaves them on the ground, and then oh grounds. yeah, oh really? He's yeah. cutting all the branches. Yeah. Why so, is he doing that? Don't ask me. I guess he's bored or something. So he just cuts branches off trees? Yeah, and he leaves them on the ground and so the kids actually pick them up and build forts and stuff out of them. So that's kind of well, cool. Well, actually, yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny, though. None of these neighbors could tell me the name of the guy cutting down the branches. And none of them had children that would have gone into the woods to build. So it's not surprising that none of them told me about the Black Gate. It's Fox that told me about the gate, in an offhand way. Almost like it wasn't the one place that would become the focal point of this mystery. One time when I woke up and I was going back home, I saw this weird gate-ish thing. Kind of creepy. A gate? Gate-ish thing? It was like a, a tunnel made out of sticks covered in green stuff and leaves on it. And it looked like a gate to you? Kind of looked like a gate. A gate for people? I don't know. Just looks like a door. Don't know how it got there. It's just there. Is the gate really big? Bigger than a person? It, it, it could fit, I guess, about five people through it. Five short people. It's it, not tall, it's wide. Can you show it to me? This gate he's leading us to is on the summit of the hill, and as we get there, I notice it's ringed by the other structures, like an actor on stage, surrounded by an audience. There are three other things I notice. First, the trees on the hilltop are giant, and they arch overhead like a windowless cathedral. Second, it's very quiet. I'm not the only one who notices. This place is just creepy. What's so creepy about it? Everything, the structures, the weirdness, the darkness. It's bright sunny day out there. And boom, it's dark in. It's dark in here. And what's knocking you? The third thing is that there's only one structure here. And unlike the ones that Fox and the other kids put together, this one is not made of new sticks, but old tree trunks and massive limbs, almost black with age. The gate is a giant black arch, taller than any other structure. But the tunnel through it, if you can call it that, is a low curve that tightens like the throat of an animal den, dangling with roots and ivy. I can see through it to the trees on the other side. I have no desire to explore it. It's surrounded by a ring of black posts, buried in the ground. Fox pointed to one of these posts that surrounded the gate. I think the creepiest thing is that. What does someone build like that? What does it look like to you? Uh, it's kind of like summoning posts. That's what I'm looking Summoning posts? Hey, you gotta somehow summon something. Like this where they would do the weird ritual dance, burn the essences, and then like lightning would strike it, and then... Like somewhere over there, that door would open, and then suddenly Cthulhu would be like squirming out. For all we know, Cthulhu could be a giant white bunny rabbit, and what would build this? A giant white bunny rabbit? Yeah, that could be Cthulhu. 
Now, I don't believe for a moment that this is Cthulhu, but I will tell you that this spot feels different than the rest of the woods. If there was ever going to be a fairy ring or a gate to the underworld in these woods, this was the place. So one of the things that everybody tells me is that the town of is known for doors. Like there's legends. Like there's there's doors here that go to all kinds of places, different times, different uh, different worlds. There's big legends, lots of legends, lots of weird things that seem to happen. So yeah. Is this one of those doors? It feels like this door is actually bigger than the others. A lot of the others are legends. Some of them are truth. This one seems to be one of the biggest truths. This door is this door is true. Yeah, it won't lead you anywhere that's not real. It'll lead you somewhere wrong. It's just not right. Could some of these doors be good? Probably. Some of them are like fairy tales. Good things happen, but some of them they're nightmares. Have you ever sensed any other doors besides this one, like in different parts of the town or, or anywhere else? Some places, you can tell that there is a door. You, And it's frustrating to be there because you can't reach it, but you know it's there. You want to go to it, but you can't. There's a lot of places that are like that. Important or everywhere in the world? Mostly important. No other place has as many doors in the area. You you are, uh, I'm sorry to say this, but you are a kid. Yeah, I mean, you were my son, but you were a kid. How do you know that? Like, every kid in has talked about it and known about it. We just tell each other to not tell people we don't really trust. You trust me? Yeah, I trust you a lot. It was time to learn more. So I went back up to the Black Gate and set up some of the sound-activated stereo recorders that we use in our investigations. And then I went down the hill, taking recordings and photos of some of the structures. You can see pictures in our show notes. Hey, Foxy, okay? I'll talk about what I found in those sound-activated recordings in a bit, but first, I want you to listen to an interview I made of Fox that day after he led us to his structure. I'm trying to see this with an open mind, but... Really, I'm asking myself, history or not, is the legend of the White Rabbit real? So have you ever seen a White Rabbit? No, none in the woods. It's kind of creepy, but I have seen big dents in the ground. And kind of a place where the trees, they're just all falling down and like... So so not, not in the woods, but... Like in real life, have you seen one of those white bunnies with the red, red eyes? Only video games. In video games? You, you play any video games that have white rabbits in them? With red eyes? Yes. Minecraft. There's, there's bunnies with red eyes in Minecraft. Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. You want to see a picture of one? Wait, they're actually 
Yeah, you've never seen it. You've never. Yeah, they're the real thing. With red eyes. Yeah. That's um a little spooky, horrific. I'm gonna Google it. White. Rabbit. Red eyes. See, it's even. It comes up automatically as a search. These are pictures of white bunny rabbits with blood red eyes. So look at that right there. What does that? What does it make you feel like? You putting your hand over the bunny? Is it too creepy? Look at that one. That one's really cute. How can you even say that that was gonna like take over the universe? You never know. You never know. You never know when the bunny will turn bad. Have you ever heard of the legend of Cthulhu? Yes, yes, I have. Where? Many places. Books, movies, video games. Is it possible that the idea of Cthulhu and the rabbit is something that you read in a book or you played in a video game and that's that's where this dream came from. I don't think so. Why not? It seemed, I never actually played a game with a evil red-eyed monstrous dungeon rabbit or anything. Now this story might have ended here. Questions of a weird but innocuous dream about a red-eyed bunny rabbit. A tradition of children building strange structures in the woods. But when we walked back the next morning to pick up the recorders I left at the Black Gate and take one more look at Fox's structure, what we found is where this story truly goes down the rabbit hole. What the? It's okay. It's all right. Where Fox's structure had been, there was now nothing but a pile of shattered branches and a hole as wide as a pond filled with torn up dirt, like something huge had burrowed up through the earth. Next time on Point Mystic, in part two of the season premiere, White Rabbit. Civilization ends, but does you know how it ends? The apocalypse. The life will take over death, and death will take over life. Death will take over the living, and the living will turn to death. Basically, it's saying the dead will come back to life. And destroy the others that are still were alive. A tennis ball. The apocalypse and a tennis ball. Answers to this and other mysteries in the second half. Stay with us. 
The story for this episode was created by Fox, age 11, with help from his mother, Marguerite Croft, and I. Thanks to all of my neighbors who allowed me to interview them about the town. This episode of Point Mystic is distributed as a shared world's creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international. Which means don't sell it, but do share it with your friends, remix it, and go make great art together. Our featured song, Way Down in the Hole, is sung and instrumented by the amazing Rory Power. If you love the show and want to hear the end of this episode, subscribe to Point Mystic, then write a review and let us know. If there's only one thing you can do, it's this. Share the mystic. And as always, thank you for listening. It says that the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up. That thing happens to me. My insurance company's there to take care of me. You're tuned into Midnight Radio Theater. Tonight's story, The Long Weekend. quit 10 years ago. Yes, that's true. And I'm blaming this temporary lapse in judgment solely on you. <laughs> I'm touched. Man can only hope. What's that? Oh! Oh, 
Jesus. What are you doing? I should ask you the same thing. Well, I thought I was trying to seduce my husband. Oh. God, I was asleep. That's never stopped you before. Where are we? Jeez. Not a mosquito? Yeah. They woke me up about an hour ago. What, do these screens have holes in them? I don't know. Maybe the screen door downstairs does. Do you want me to go down there and shut it? I think we need all the air we can get. I mean, it's pretty hot, don't you think? I think, I think. Oh, it's weird being way out in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I thought that was the idea, though, remember? We were going to get away from all of it. Actually, I thought the idea was to get away so we could be alone together. I thought that's what I just said. Not really. Okay, because I don't understand. I'm going to go downstairs and uh, get some water. Do you want some? No, thanks. We're taking a long weekend. Is this a good thing? I don't know. Where are you going? <laughs> I... <laughs> I guess way out in the woods somewhere. The woods? Yeah. Sam did a favor for a guy and he, he wants to pay us back by letting us use their farmhouse for the weekend. <laughs> We weren't going to do it, but I don't know. It seems like it would be a good place to get away, and I don't know. It might be fun. Have you decided if you're going to tell him? About the baby? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm getting a bad feeling. A bad feeling like what? What time is it? Is my hour about up? Melissa, you can't wait to confront this. I know. I just don't know if this weekend is the right time. If not now, when? I don't know.
Here's your water. Oh, thanks. Pat, there are some weird sounds out here. You think they have a radio? I think I saw one in the corner by the child with the force of God and present it to the church cleansed. I mean, this has been going on for centuries. It's not that strange. Oh! <sighs> Did you get bit again? Yes. Jeez. I'm gonna nest. What time is it? 3.30. 3.30? Really? <sighs> I guess it doesn't matter. We are on vacation, right? <laughs> Some vacation? What's that supposed to mean? God! I wonder if they have any bug spray in this place. If it's anywhere, it's probably uh, downstairs underneath the kitchen sink. I'll go down there and get some for you. No. It's okay. I'll go. Are you sure? Hey, listen, I'm gonna... I'm gonna try taking a cold shower. Got a bad feeling. Oh yeah, what is it? I don't know. It's it's just been sitting in my stomach, heavy like I like I swallowed a rock. What do you think it is then? I don't know. Maybe some kind of premonition. It's, it's come on ever since I agreed to take this trip to the country. It's probably just something you ate. Well, I've got to go try romanticizing your anxiety by calling it a premonition, turning into some kind of preternatural event. Something you'll probably write about later. I don't think so. Well, I do. Okay. What is it this time, Sam? Melissa. She wants a baby. And I don't know if I can go through with it. You serious? Uh, well, let me guess. You haven't told her how you feel about this yet. Well, that's something.
you're supposed to spray that stuff on your outside. Are you kidding? I am not going outside by myself. What the hell was that? It sounded like a wolf. A wolf? I don't think that was a wolf. Okay, it wasn't a wolf. It was a squirrel. You really think it was a wolf? Don't they usually travel in packs? I don't know, Sam. Why are you being like that? I don't know. Maybe because it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm tired. Melissa. What is it? Tell me what's the matter. Why don't you tell me what's the matter? Stop turning things around. Stop turning things around. I hate it when you do that. I hate it when you do that. Well, Come on. Stop it. I don't want to play this Stop game. Stop it. I don't want to play this game. Okay. <laughs> you really want to know? I don't, I don't think I want to have a baby anymore. I don't like kids. There, I said it. I don't like them. I know I'm supposed to like them, but I just don't. Now, I'm an adult. I'm glad I'm an adult. I don't even remember my childhood. I think there's a good... Ow! That really hurt. What are you doing? Would you please stop? Okay, okay, look, I take it back. I take it back, I take it back. Come on, Melissa, this isn't even our stuff. Damn it, Melissa, that could have really hurt. Would you, would you please stop there her? There are no more words for you, mister. Ow! Jesus! I guess you're upset about what I said. I'm pregnant, you idiot. Oh. Did you hear that? Yes. Isn't the door downstairs open? Should be. What do you think it is? Do you think it's a bear? Are you going downstairs to shut the door or am I? Okay, I'm, I'm going down. I will. Sam, now would be a good oh, time. Okay, okay. Sam? 
Is it gone? Do you hear anything? Did you see it? No, I didn't see anything. I shut the door and I ran up the stairs. What the hell was that? Jesus, I'm never leaving the city again. What should we do? Should we call someone? Who do we call exactly? The police? We went through a small town before we turned off, right? Oh. We could call 911. And tell, and say what? A bear wolf is attacking us? Not to mention, I don't even know where the hell we are. I mean, do you remember where we turned off? I mean, it was one unnamed road after Wait, another? Wait, listen. I locked the door downstairs. Whatever it is, it's not getting in here. I think it's gone. Melissa? Yes? When, when did you find out? Two days ago. When were you going to tell me? I don't know. You don't know? I'm sorry for not running out and telling you the good news, Mr. I Hate Babies. I didn't say I hated babies. You really think I didn't know? Are you that self-delusional? Every time we were supposed to try, there was always something wrong. You either drank too much, or you were too tired, or too sick, or you well, had... What do you bit... mean? That the time I, I got food poisoned and couldn't stop throwing up all night? Okay, whatever. It's amazing I got pregnant at all. Maybe it's not mine. Sam, shut up. That's not funny. <sighs> no, I guess not. I'm sorry. I'm going to have this baby. And I need to know that you're with me. Oh my God. Did that thing just break into the house? Slow down, okay? Slow down your breathing. That's it. There's plenty of air, I promise. I promise, okay? Don't worry. I'm not going to let anything happen here, okay? Okay. I'm right here with you. You're my wife. I love you. Oh, 
house in front of the door, okay? And you stay right here. Okay. I'll be right back, okay? written, directed, and produced by Billy Sinise. All music was written and performed by Thomas Nola. Sound mixer, Will Fox. All sound design, Billy Sinise and Thomas Nola. Actors in order of appearance, Jessica Morris, Billy Sinise, Kai Porter, Kevin White, and Mark Cavis. The Long Weekend was mastered by Brett Harden at Olive Bar Studio. This has been a presentation of Midnight Radio Theater and Sinise Productions. All rights reserved. And that's this week's show. Be with us next week as we feature the first three episodes of our only brave producer so far who has had his show analysed on Sonic Workshop. Yes, it's Jeff Music's star plot for next week. And with so many new shows out there, it's entirely my fault that we haven't listened to the full three first (laughs) episodes of Jeff's Epic, which is, by the way, 11 episodes and growing. Wow. And speaking of growing, we want to let as many people out there know about our favourite audio dramas so let's make audio drama sunday our five-star review day as well as on itunes and everywhere else that you pick up your podcasts pick three audio drama podcasts you love and get the word out that's three audio drama podcasts as well as the sonic society because (laughs) what better way to get the word out than to talk about our favorite medium and post a review on the longest running showcase of modern audio drama this is very true you know we're getting close to the end of may and that means just one more month for this season of the sonic society so, so until next week, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. And from all of us here at the Society, good night. Night.
Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. Stop.